Well, thank you everybody for joining us here at the National Shrine of the Divine Mercy. I'm Father Chris Alar, one of the Marian uh, priests of the Immaculate Conception, and we are here live, and uh, we're excited because it's a first Saturday, so we are going to ask you to stay with us for the next hour or so. We're going to lead you for a brief talk, about a little over half an hour, and it's going to be, I'm excited, we're starting our new series on all the apparitions of Mary all the Marian apparitions. And then we'll take a quick break, five minutes or so, I'll go down and vest, then we'll start a new live stream. So if you're at home joining us, you can then tap into the new live stream where we'll lead you through this first Saturday devotions and everything you need to know to get that grace. We'll walk you through the act of contrition, the spiritual communion, we're gonna pray the rosary together, and I'm gonna lead you in a 15 minute meditation. So that'll come up, but first, let us begin with our talk on the very first ever Marian apparition. And it goes all the way back almost 2,000 years. So let us begin with a prayer in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we ask you send your Holy Spirit down upon us to open our minds and hearts to receive the grace you wish to bestow, and especially the gift of the guidance of Mother Mary, and you've brought her to the world to prepare your second coming, and we ask that we be ready when you bring this salvation to your people. And we ask all this through Christ our Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Okay, so. You saw on your screen, we're going to start today, I'm hoping to get through three apparitions, the very first three ever that is generally accepted in the church. So looking at that, we're going to cover over the next several months in these first Saturdays now, not in a row in terms of every Saturday, but first Saturdays. I'm going to be talking about Marian apparitions, and we're going to start, as I've been saying, from the very beginning. Now, there are five categories of apparitions. The first category is way before the church ever began the process of verifying apparitions and studying them and investigating them. Way back before that, the first thousand years of the church, apparitions were based on the priests, the bishops, and just generally accepted um, uh, the community of the church generally accepting those apparitions. That's where we fall into today. That's the category we're going to talk about today. Now, after that, after the first uh, millennium, the church began to do investigation and following procedures on how to determine if an apparition was authentic. And if it was, the Vatican would approve it. So you have the category of Vatican-approved apparitions. Then you have another category called bishop-approved apparitions. I'm going to do all of those. And then finally, we have the uh, ones that are still in process and then ones that are rejected. I'll talk about some of those. So let's look at our slide, Brother Mark, if you can put up on the slide. These are the categories. So you see accepted tradition is a category we'll talk about today. Vatican-approved, there's 16 of those. Bishop approved, there's nine of those. Unconfirmed, meaning they're in process, and rejected, meaning the church has said this is not authentic. Now, hopefully, what we have now 
is what I call the big three. And we're going to be talking about this. Now, since Trent, the Council of Trent, the church has established that the local bishop is the first authority in approving apparitions. It's usually up to the bishop. But then in the 1700s, the first commissions began to examine Marian apparitions. So it became a process. Now, this doesn't mean it's all political. This doesn't mean that it's all, you know, uh, depending who you know, what you know. No, it's based on the church determining what's in line with scripture. You know, we as Catholics are told we're not scripture. Marian apparitions are 100% based on scripture and the words of Jesus and what her message is. And then it matches Jesus' words. And so last uh, month, I showed you these two maps. Let's have Brother Mark show the map. Take a look at this first map. This is amazing because in it, we see the apparitions of Mary over the centuries. We have ones that are deemed supernatural, ones that are just expressions of the faith, ones that are local tradition, un other ones that are unconfirmed. Now, if you look at the world there, look at all those dots. Those are all the places Mary has appeared. But I want to blow up the dot in Europe. Let's go to the next slide. Look at what is going on with Mary. Look at all those places Mary is appeared. And not all of them, not all of them are fully approved by the church, but this shows you Mary's active. Now, Legend says that the very first apparition, this is what we're going to talk about today, of Our Lady was to St. James in Siragusa, Spain, before she died. It was actually by location. We're going to talk about this. So no official means of investigation had yet existed. It was early apparitions were always evaluated by the local priest in the community, maybe the bishop. But typically, the most tangible sign, you want to know how the church really determined that an approval should be given for an apparition? Is if a church was built there. You know, all this investigation, all this study that we do now on Marian apparitions, back then, a thousand years ago, it was easy. It was if they built a church. And that determined it. Now, Later, if the bishops and the popes visited the shrines, that affirmed that it was authentic. That was what the church used. Now, some apparitions have occurred during times before there was a church approval, and we still accept some of them. We still accept some of them. So this is very important. But sometimes even after the church had their process of approval, we have things like Levang in Vietnam, that are generally accepted, but have not gone through the approval process of the church. So we don't want to reject everything. Now, here's where it gets good. The first thousand years of Christianity, Our Lady appeared, and generally, as I said, a shrine would be built. Often, the sites associated with these apparitions had statues or images of Our Lady. Not, we don't worship them. I do whole talks. Please go online. You can see I do whole talks that we don't worship these statues. They are in honor of our Blessed Mother. Now, the first thousand years of our history, many saints reported Marian apparitions. Who are the saints that reported Marian apparitions? Let's start with John. 
from the Bible. John from the Bible reported a mirroring apparition. Well, Father, where's that in the Bible? Revelation 12. She was the lady in the sky with the crown of 12 stars and gave birth to him who will rule the nations. It's got to be Mary. Who else is going to rule the nations? Jesus. And it says this is the mother who gave birth to that man. It's got to be Mary. And so we also have other great saints that reported many, many apparitions. So these are great things to look to. Let's start now with the very first one ever, called Our Lady of the Pillar. This story, it's really by location, because Mary wasn't dead yet, predates the Bible. Predates the Bible. Let's take a look at the slide. This is Our Lady of the Pillar. This is, her feast day is October 12th. Okay, now, her story predates the Bible long before the Bible was written. And tradition tells us that seven years after the death of Jesus, the year 40 AD, Mary appeared to the apostle James. Tradition has Mary died when she was 54 years old. So, tradition says, according to a lot of the saints, that Mary was between 14 and 15 years old when she gave birth to Jesus. And tradition holds that she died at 54 years old or was assumed into heaven. We don't say the church never says she actually died or didn't die, but she, her time on earth ended at 54. Now, tradition says seven years after the birth or uh, resurrection of Jesus, so he resurrected in 30 AD, seven years later, 40 AD now, think of this. All the apostles had been sent out. You've got St. Thomas in India. You've got a lot of the apostles spread out over the known world. St. James was in Spain, and he was getting really frustrated. Sounds like our priest today. He was getting really frustrated because nobody was listening. They were not being, people were not accepting the word of God. He was frustrated. And Jesus, according to St. Catherine Emmerich and others, and Catherine Emmerich, and others, Mary of Agreta, Brother Mark reads a lot of uh, Mary of Agreta. She's blessed, I believe. They write, they write in detail about the apostles. And supposedly St. James was getting frustrated. Nobody was listening, he was trying to evangelize. And Jesus commanded Mary to appear to him. Mary was being obedient. And here's what happened. Here's the story. So the Apostle James sat tired and disappointed on the bank of the Ebro River in what is now Zaragoza, Spain. Now, the people of the Roman province of Hispania, you know Hispanics? We talk about Hispanics having Spanish background. It actually doesn't come from Mexico. It actually is Hispania is the Spain, the Iberian Peninsula. And there, they were not open to receiving God's message. Sound familiar to today, right? So the good news of Jesus was not being received, and St. James was ready to give up. Can you imagine an apostle ready to quit? And so St. James was not evangelizing. So on January 2nd, 40 A.D., the Blessed Virgin Mary, who was still living in Palestine, 
Jerusalem, appeared to St. James on top of a pillar. You know what a pillar is? We see a pillar. We have them here in the church. This is a form of pillar. So Mary appeared on the top of a pillar. And so it was made of stone. And she assured him that the people of Hispania would become Christians and that their faith would be as strong and durable as the pillar which she stood on made of stone. Hence, Our Lady of the Pillar. This is 40 AD. Remember the visit, she said, to remember the visit and the promise I am making you, she said. She basically, this was the building of the first Marian shrine. It was built around the pillar. And James began instantly to convert the pagans of early Spain. Now, the shrine church, let's take a look at this next photo. Wow, have you ever seen anything more beautiful? That's incredible. Now, that shrine is the first church built in Mary's honor. This is in Spain. The present Basilica Church was built between 1681 and actually 1961, believe it or not, because the previous original church was burned by fire in 1434. So this is the one that stands there today. Now, let's take a look at the next slide. The statue that sits atop the pillar is made of stone and has the Blessed Virgin Mary with the infant Jesus holding him. You know what? If you look at that picture, it's very similar to many of Mary. You'll see the next apparition we do, plus Mary is holding a baby child, like Our Lady of Mount Carmel. So this is important because she's holding him. The original statue was also destroyed in that same fire. So this is a replica. Near exact, though. So many miracles, many miracles. In fact, during the Spanish Civil War in the 1930s, two bombs, think about this, two bombs were dropped on the Shrine Church. Two bombs were dropped on the Shrine Church and miraculously neither exploded. So you know what they did with those bombs? They're now hanging in the Shrine. They're now hanging in the Shrine. So anyway, she is the patroness of Spain and the patroness of all Hispanic people. We love the Hispanic people, the culture that comes here to the shrine, but I like to ask them, are you praying to Our Lady of the Pillar? It's a great tradition. That came from John Paul II in 1984. He entrusted the Hispanic people to Our Lady of the Pillar. So if you have Hispanic friends or relatives or you are yourself, bam, there's a good one. So the message of her could be seen as Mary's assistance. What was her message? Okay, in every Marian apparition, Mary gives a message. What was the message? Evangelize. Spread the word of my son. She appeared while still on earth, but she is now going to be helping us even more in heaven. If she could help St. James as much as she did while still on earth, how much more can she help us in heaven? And so the Feast of Our Lady of Pillar, as I said, is October the 12th. That's coming up. The very first ever Marian apparition. Now, nothing has ever been found about this to be uncredible. As much as they've looked at this, nothing has disputed science or history or scripture. And as we said, Blessed Anne Catherine Emmerich, she has this in chapter 14 of her book, The Life of Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. 
and Mary Agretta, who Brother Mark is a big fan of, reads her. And I had a whole section. I'm running behind time. I can't read it. But she writes about this in the mystical city of God. It's amazing. So anyway, it shows Mary is not only the mother of Jesus and the church, but of us. And so in Spain and Latin America, guess what? The name Pilar, P-I-L-A-R with one L, is commonly given to little girls at baptism. And at one time in Spain, pray for Spain, at one time almost everyone wore the medal of Our Lady of the Pillar, the Nuestra Senora del Pilar. Now, maybe not so much. So let's wrap up with this one. This image of Our Lady of um, the Pillar is a forceful reminder to walk in the footsteps of James and the other Catholics who fought to preserve our faith. And so perhaps, you know, um, I, I'm looking at, you know, a famous quote that I think fits here. People say, Father, this is all make-believe. We have no definite proof. Well, who was it? Um, Franz Werfel in the Song of Bernadette said, for those who do not believe, no explanation is possible. For those who believe, no explanation is necessary. And so with that, let's watch a quick video on Our Lady of Pillar. It's only about a minute long. He walked along the riverbank to rest and pray in silence. During the prayer, one of those nights, he heard voices of angels singing, Ave Maria, gratia plena. When he heard them, he fell on his knees and saw on the marble pillar the Virgin, who said, Behold, James, the place where you build a temple in my memory. Look carefully at this pillar in which I am, which my son and master for you brought down from above by the hand of the angels, around which you will make the altar of the chapel in this place. The virtue of the Most High will work portents and wonders by my intercession for those who, in their needs, implore my patronage. This pillar will remain in this place until the end of the world, and true Christians will never be lacking in this city. Comforted by this presence of Mary, he built a temple. It is the first church in the world dedicated to the Virgin Mary. Okay, Our Lady is the beautiful gift from God, and now we're going to go to the next apparition. We're going to do two more, and we're done for today. But a very critical, important one, it depends on how you pronounce it. I've seen it pronounced many different ways. Is Our Lady of Puy in France, P-U-Y. But you've not heard of this one before. But it's the second great Marian apparition. Let's look at our slide. This is a statue of her. That's an impressive statue. Look at her again holding the child Jesus. And this is something very, very great story. Now, you've probably all heard in France of La Salette and Lourdes, but few people have heard of Our Lady of Puy. Now, this is where the devotion of Mary in France was born. And for 1,800 years, it has thrived. What's the story? You ever hear of France called the first daughter of the church? It's because of this. 
This is considered the very first apparition anywhere in the world of Mary after she assumed into heaven. It was around the year 46 when St. Peter sent some missionaries to a place called Gaul, which is now France. Now, St. Frontonius was the bishop there sent by Peter. We're talking about directly sent by St. Peter to Gaul. And he chose St. George to succeed him. You ever want to hear a great saint? Read about him. So now it's the year 70. So we're in the first century here. And one of St. George's converts was a widow named Vila. And she became seriously ill. So St. George told her to ask the Blessed Virgin Mary for help. So Vila did. And as he directed, he prayed to Mary for intercession. And Our Lady appeared to her and listen to this and told her to climb Mount Anis. Now, some people say Anisius, some other people pronunciation. So please, I apologize if I'm not getting this pronunciation right. I've looked everywhere. I looked five different sources and got five different pronunciations. So Mount Ani, A-N-I-S, Ani in French, is a place that she wanted a church built in her honor. This is the Blessed Mother. Now, the hill on it was named Puy. So on top of it was a large flat rock. And I'm going to show you a picture in a minute. And on this large flat rock, this whole pillar looking like, Our Lady loves pillars, was made of lava. Ancient hill. And so Vila went up with her servant, who actually carried her because she was sick, to the top of this mountain and laid her on the rock. She fell asleep, and when she awoke, she was completely cured. Now it goes deeper. Vila had dreamed that a heavenly woman was standing near her, surrounded by angels. Now, when she asked who the lady was, they all told her, singing in unison, Mother of God. Now, it seems that this is factual, because on July 11th in the year 250, the oldest sanctuary in the world dedicated to Mary was built. The local bishop also, at the same time Vila had her dream, the local bishop received a message in a dream from Mary to build a church on the hill. Now, the story goes that when the bishop climbed the hill, guess what he found on the ground? Something I'm going to tell you about in our third apparition. Snow. In the middle of July. So the next two apparitions have to do with snow. And so the ground was covered with snow in July. So picture this. They go up there. They're looking at the snow. Here comes a deer. And a deer looks at them, turns around, and starts tracing a pattern in the snow. So these people are looking at this deer. Now, Vila had the dream. She's up there. All these townspeople come up there. This is on top of a mountain that's shaped like this with a flat top. And all of a sudden, they're looking at the snow. It snows in July. They all go up there to look at it. There's a deer walking in this pattern to build this shrine. And now, all of a sudden, in the middle of this, they call it the throne of Mary. The news spread everywhere. People started coming. And all of a sudden, here comes the bishop. 
leading a procession because he had a dream. So they're all coming up to the top of the hill. So anyway, the news spread everywhere. And the landmark, which was called the Pew or the, the Pui, became so well known that they named the town after the mountain, Pui. So this thing became a very serious location for the church. And guess who started coming there? By the sixth century, you ever hear of Charlemagne? He came there. Many French kings made pilgrimages there. Many miracles. It's considered one of the most famous and beautiful pilgrimage shrines in the world that you've never heard of. And so today, it's a church known as the Cathedral of Our Lady of the Annunciation. And I want to show you, I passed over the picture. Let's have Brother Mark show the picture um, of that rock. If you have your cell phones with you or you're at home, you see the very middle top of the picture, the highest point, that's the statue. Now look down to your left on that mountain that's shaped like a pillar is the church. They built this church on the top of a mountain shaped like a cigar. And that's the church right on the top of it. And that whole area is Pui. Again, one of the most incredible places we've never heard of. And the second apparition of Mary accepted by the church, going all the way back to 70 AD with the roots of Peter, when he sent people over there into Gaul. This is amazing. And so the church now is Our Lady of the Annunciation. It's been a place of pilgrimage since Charlemagne of the sixth century. Both, listen to this, the crusaders used to go there on their way to the Holy Land. And today, this is fascinating, something else I didn't know. You ever hear of the pilgrimage in Europe called The Way? They made a movie about it, St. James de Compostela or the Camino, El Camino. I wonder if that's what they named the car after in the 70s, El Camino, right? The Camino de Santiago. Basically, this is a pilgrimage. It's called the Way of St. James, and it ends at St. James de Compostela, this big church you may have seen with the giant thurible where they, they swing it and has incense coming out of it. Well, that pilgrimage across Europe takes weeks, months. You know where it begins? One of the main beginning points is Puy. So if you're going to do the way, ask for Puy because that's a beautiful place to begin it. So in 1051, Pope Leo IX wrote, in this sanctuary on Mount Ani, more than anywhere, the Blessed Virgin Mary has received veneration, honor, and the love of a great many believers in France. Amazing. So in 1254, one of my favorite saints, St. Louis IX, gave the cathedral an image of the Blessed Mother clothed in gold. And according to tradition, during the Crusades, St. Louis was captured by the Moors in Africa, the Muslims. And instead of killing him, they actually gave him, as a sign of esteem, they gave him a wood figure of Our Lady holding the child that was venerated by the Muslims. The Muslims venerated this picture of Mary. And so this legend I mean, there's another legend that says even Jeremiah, the prophet, carved it. But anyway, since then, the site has been known as the home of the Black Virgin. The Black Virgin, La Puy in Valais. And let's take a look at this picture. Here is our next slide, Our Lady of Puy. 
And believe it or not, this image of the black Madonna, not the same one as Our Lady Chestahova, different, but the black Madonna of Puy today is there. You can see it. It's almost the exact replica of the ancient one that burned in the fire. That one, you know what happened to the um, original image? There was one burned in the fire, but you know what happened? And this is so sad because to me, I, I just can't believe how many times mankind has been so stupid. The image, and I made a mistake. I said it was burned in a fire. My mistake. I was wrong. The original image was dragged out, not down. Sound like our cancel culture today? It went through a mock trial during the French Revolution, and they guillotined the statue of Mary. They chopped her head off, just like Marie Antoinette. Then they burned her at the stake. Is that not insane? The present statue, the one I just showed, is made of black marble and has Mary seated on a stool holding Jesus, the baby Jesus. And so we pray that this type of stuff stops, stops. So Lapui claims to be the most ancient shrine of Our Lady in the world. Very important. Last page. We're almost done. And with the exception of some Italian sanctuaries, no shrine has received so many visits from the popes as this one. You know, 18 kings of France have been there. Seven popes have been there. They all come to see her. You know who else has been there? St. Dominic, St. Anthony of Padua, St. Hugh, many more. They used to have as many in 1502, they had confessors there. They had confessors there for the pilgrims. You know how many confessors they had at this shrine? What would you think would be a big number of confessors? 100, 300, that'd be a lot of confessors. They had 3,000 confessors and it wasn't enough. Can you imagine 3,000 confessors? So the revolution ruined all this. The French Revolution, we call it enlightenment, it's anything else. It's darkness. What they call the Dark Ages was really enlightenment when we had Thomas Aquinas and St. Bonaventure, they call that the Dark Ages. And what we call the enlightenment of the French Revolution, that's true darkness. You know what they did? 3,000 confessors in the 1500s there at Puy. Then what happens? They ruined it all. The French Revolution came and they took the statue of Mary and put her in a manure cart. And then they burned her at the stake. Unreal. So none of the more recent events here in Puy has taken away from Lourdes or La Salette, has not taken away from them. It's added to them. In fact, the Blessed Virgin Mary chose this part of France to be venerated as Our Lady of France. And so as with others, we have great Marian shrine built over the top of that hill that used to be a pagan worship site. People say, oh, you Catholics are pagan. No, Mary trumps the pagans. We build a shrine to Mary over the site where the pagans used to worship. It doesn't mean we become pagan. It means we're trumping over what used to be pagan territory and now bringing God to it. 
This is a sign of the triumph of Our Lady and Jesus over the pagan gods of the world. And so here we have another French Marian site associated not just Lourdes, but Puy. And so I'm going to skip this video. I'm running out of time, so Brother Mark can skip this next video. I, I had a video on Puy, but I'm going to have to skip it. It was a little bit longer. Let's finish now with the last one, one of my favorites, Our Lady of the Snows. And I used to love her when I was a kid in Michigan when we got snow days because my priest taught us that Our Lady of the Snows was a great devotion. I had no idea what happened. All I knew was Mary brings snow so the snow would close the schools. So here we have a picture of Our Lady of the Snows. And I want to finish with this because it's the most important church in all of Rome dedicated to Our Lady. Of all the churches in Rome dedicated to Our Lady, the Basilica of St. Mary Major is the most important. Now, why don't they just call it the Basilica of St. Mary? Why do we call it St. Mary Major? Because there's many St. Marys. St. Mary Major is Our Lady. Just like we have James the Lesser and James the Greater, James the Major. There's many little St. Marys. But there's only one Mary Major. That's Our Lady. So in Rome, if you ever heard of the Basilica of St. Mary Major, this is dedicated to Our Lady, the most important. It was erected in the year 352 during the reign of Pope Liberius. Now, according to the legend, <clears throat> a member <clears throat> of the aristocratic family that was there in Rome named John and his wife were childless. So they prayed to the Blessed Mother for a child. Sound familiar? And they had a dream which Our Lady appeared to them, just like Our Lady of Puy. She requested that they build a church, just like Our Lady of Puy, just like Our Lady of the Pillar. So they see her, she requests they build a church in her honor up on the Esquiline Hill, and the sign to be given of its exact location would be in the snow. So, during a hot summer evening in August, it began to snow. But only over the spot where the basilica would be built. It snowed, tracing the form of the basilica on the hill. Our Lady then appeared to Pope Liberius in a dream. Sound just like the ones we described? Identical. And he believed all of it, and so the people gathered to see the unusual snow, same as what we just described in the other apparitions. John and his wife rushed to the site, and there was Pope Liberius, who arrived in a procession, just like the others. So realizing that the snow marked the exact location of the church, the people then staked it off the area, and the basilica was completed within two years by the pope. Now, unlike the other one, I can't find any story about the deer running through it, but that's okay. The people marked it off. So then, at the Council of Ephesus, where we define Mary as the Theotokos, you ever hear that? Theotokos? Mary was called the Theotokos, which means God-bearer. Pope Sixtus III rebuilt the basilica. Now, from the 7th century onward, we call it St. Mary the Great, or St. Mary Major. And the Basilica is also often called Our Lady of the Snows. 
You know, there's a shrine in Illinois, is it? You guys can correct me. It's called Our Lady of the Snows. I think it's Illinois. So let's take a look at the picture <clears throat> of this. Among the great treasures is a painting of the Madonna child known as the Salus Populi Romani, which means she's the patroness of the people of Rome. That's her, her photograph or the painting that was attributed to St. Luke. Beautiful. They believe that he painted it on the wood of the table of the Last Supper. Amazing. So the image had been brought back from the Holy Land by St. Helena, who is she? The mother of Constantine, who found the true cross. And throughout the centuries, there's been a special devotion to this figure of Our Lady. So with the two minutes I got left, I want to say that during the pontificate of Pope St. Gregory the Great, back in the 5th, 506th century, guess what happened? A plague attacked the people of Rome. Sound like us today with COVID? The Pope carried the image through Rome in a procession and asked for Mary to be the protectress, protectress of the people and an end. And it did. It ended. This is why I feel motivated to maybe write the Holy Father that we need to take an image of Our Lady and process it through every diocese in the United States and the world to end this. This is what they did, and it ended the plague. So then another time it happened. Pope Gregory the 16th. Now we're talking in the 1800s, 1837, same thing. A plague hit and he carried the image in procession throughout Rome to ask Our Lady for an end of the epidemic of cholera. And guess what happened? It completely ended. Do we not see the answer here? The answer to what we are struggling with now with this pandemic, process the image of Our Lady. Please, Holy Father, ask for that. Have our bishops do it in every diocese of the world. We would see the end. If you believe in history, if you believe in your faith, you can believe in what has happened in the past. It should happen again. And so, go to St. Mary Major. You know what else is there? The manger of the stable in Bethlehem where Jesus was born in is venerated under the high altar of the Basilica, if you ever make it there. And the dedication of the Basilica of St. Mary Major is celebrated every year on August 5th because on August 4th is when this all began and snow in the middle of August. So on that day, there's a beautiful custom. If you're ever in Rome on August the 5th, you got to get to St. Mary Major because they go into this beautiful church. And let's take a look at our next picture. At the conclusion of Mass, look very closely at the picture. Look right at the center on your screen. If you have a screen, you can blow it up. At the end of Mass, a shower of white rose petals always falls from the dome of the chapel. That's incredible, a beautiful sight. So let's finish this talk with a short video of only one minute that tells you about, it's actually 40 seconds, it tells you about St. Mary Major, Our Lady of the Snows.
Each year, on August 5th, Romans celebrate the feast day of their beloved patroness. Her iconic figure is found inside the Basilica of St. Mary Major. According to tradition, back in the 4th century, Our Lady appeared before a wealthy couple and before Pope Liberius. He asked them to build a basilica in her honor. And the next day, on August 5th, they discovered where to build it, when it snowed on the Esquiline Hill. And as the story goes, it was St. Luke who painted the Byzantine icon representing the patroness of the Roman people on a wooden slab used during the Last Supper. Okay, everybody, so we're wrapping up now. Brother Mark's going to shut down this talk on the live stream, but he's going to ramp back up with the new live stream. We invite you all to log in because we're going to walk you through in about five minutes all of the Marian devotional aspects of the first Saturdays that Mary asked for. But you know what? Before I go, I'm going to say a couple of quick things. Join us next first Saturday. We're going to continue with more Marian apparitions, more great stories. And I want to invite you to get, let's show Mark on our, Brother Mark on our next slide. I've never seen this before. Look on your screen. A good friend of our community, Anna Nuzzo, who's a professional international recording artist, actually recorded a CD of Marian apparitions. I've never seen this. She's got a beautiful voice. You can get this. So we picked it up. She's a good friend of our community. She's got a beautiful voice. And you can get it on shopmercy.org slash Saturday so that you'll get it and you can go right there or call us at 1-800-462-7426. So 1-800-4-MARIAN. And you want to listen to some beautiful Marian apparition songs and hymns by Anna, you can get it. So last couple of slides, you can also get my book uh, on shopmercy.org at the same phone number. That book is Understanding Divine Mercy. And finally, we'd love you if you join us as a Marian helper. If you're not a Marian helper yet, please join us at micprayers.org and join up. It takes less than 10 seconds, doesn't cost anything, but you can share in some great graces. And then you know what? Finally, I hope you're keeping up. I've invited you for the last few weeks to do a daily act of mercy. Do a daily act of mercy in word, deed, or prayer, and we can change the world. And every Friday, an act of penance, and we can change the world. So if you'd like a free pamphlet on how to get that, look at our final and last slide. Visit marion.org slash live mercy. I'll send it to you for free. I won't even charge you shipping. I'll pay the shipping. And all you got to do is call, and we'll send it out to you. But it shows you how to live divine mercy. And we have a new show coming on EWTN starting next Wednesday called Living Divine Mercy. So God bless all of you. Do not forget to ask your mother, as Jesus gave us to, uh, gave her to us on the cross, take her into your home. And when Jesus, his last words on the cross were to take Mary into our home, we better listen. What's the home? Your heart. And so with that, we hope you'll stay with us in five minutes, as I keep saying, we'll join you as we do the first Saturday devotions. If you've been doing it with us, God bless you. If you haven't, that's okay. Start today. Five consecutive Saturdays of this devotion will change the world. How do we know that? That's what Mary told us at Fatima. God bless you.
Brother Mark will shut down now, and we'll see you on the next live stream in about five minutes. God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily Masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.